Let's get ready to rumble! Zinger Nation What is up, Zinger Nation? We are back. It is Monday. The markets are open. Um, let me see. I do have my buddy Chris here. I'm going to go ahead and bring him on, see what Chris Kaji has been watching today. Chris, how are we doing? I'm doing great. But yeah, Chris, what, what's, what have you been watching today? Yeah, you know, I, I've been watching a couple names out there. I saw you mentioned Roblox. They had an acquisition today. They've got earnings after hours today. I know that's one I'll be watching today. Stock got hit the last time they reported earnings. So I don't know, you know, what we're going to see today. And also looking forward to what they have to say for guidance, right? You know, these video game companies for a while, everyone was like, hey, they're pandemic trades. Once everyone returns to work, returns to school, the momentum can't keep up. But video game sales just keep growing and growing. So I don't know if Roblox, you know, that momentum's going to go away as much as some of these analysts are forecasting. Yeah, we saw kind of a mixed bag with the other com uh, video game companies that reported. I believe it was the week before last week. We had EA, Take-Two, um, and Activision, and kind of a mixed bag. I believe Activision beat while uh, Take-Two did not. Or no, maybe it was EA that beat. Let's pull up the charts. But yeah, I, I agree, Chris. I think this, this uh, video game industry is very interesting right now. Um, but yeah, we've talked about it before, Chris, that it, it's less about the earnings when they come out with them and more about the guidance. So if Roblox, you know, raises guidance, we could see the stock ripping tomorrow. If they report bad earnings and maybe lower guidance, that then we'll see the stock trading off. So I'm, I'm hanging out on the sideline as we go into earnings for Roblox today, but I agree. I think it'll be, you know, just very, very hit or miss this afternoon is my feeling with Roblox. Yeah, definitely. Well, what's going on, Aaron? It sounds like we've got some interviews coming up. That's why I'm here. Should we go ahead and dive into that first CEO interview here? Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. All right, guys, joining us on Power Hour today, we have with us Andy Hayward, the CEO of Genius Brands, that ticker G-N-U-S. Welcome to Power Hour, Mr. Hayward. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. Awesome. So we have you here. Uh, we got some news out from Genius Brands today. So a 318% year-over-year increase in revenue for the second quarter. Can you talk a little bit about what the biggest drivers were for revenue growth in the second quarter? Well, we were very fortunate. We had growth across all of our key tentpole businesses. So that would be Cartoon Channel. It would be our brand Stan Lee's Superhero Kindergarten, Rainbow Rangers, our kids' media and marketing service agency, Chiscom, our program sales, both domestically and to broadcasters internationally. Uh, pretty much every one of our businesses showed growth. Awesome. And we, we got to talk about Cartoon Channel, Superhero Kindergarten. Of course, shout out to you, Andy. I have three boys at home. They are three, seven, and nine, and they absolutely love Superhero Kindergarten. Can you talk a little bit about the momentum that this show has seen and how it has powered Cartoon Channel going forward? Well, uh, we were very fortunate to have two iconic personalities attached to the show, Stan Lee, of course and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, and the writing was done by Stephen Banks, who wrote uh, every episode of the show, and he was the head writer of SpongeBob SquarePants. 
um, the show has just really resonated. We've had a lot of promotion. We've put a lot of promotion across all of our various uh, outlets, including onto YouTube as well, and it's paid off for us. We have over 2,000 episodes of programming licensed on Cartoon Channel. And Superhero Kindergarten, when we debuted it, it took off like a rocket ship. And it now has all of the top 10 most viewed programs are episodes of Superhero Kindergarten. We're averaging about 3.4 million uh, viewers per episode. We put a new episode out every Friday. And to give you a little uh, data point uh, of how important that is, The Simpsons, which has historically been the most successful animated series, averages about 3.1 million viewers per episode. Now, that's been going for many years. That's on broadcast television. We're on streaming television. But streaming is where the momentum is going, away from broadcast. And uh, if we can continue this momentum, it'll be a, a stunning victory. We're already looking at green lighting season two. Uh, we are planning to do it once we hit 100 million views. Uh, we're in conversations with a number of parties about a live action motion picture based on superhero kindergarten. So there's a lot of, uh, and thank you to your uh, kudos to your children. They have good taste. Well, I, I hope we get that announcement of a live action movie soon. Cause I can't wait to share with them that that at least has been thought about. They love the show. Uh, you saw a 932% increase in unique users for cartoon channel is, you know, all of that momentum coming from superhero kindergarten or are some of the other programs also contributing to that total? Well, it's a good question. Superhero Kindergarten has been the engine. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you, successful channels are driven by content. Uh, you can go back to any time in history. In the 80s, uh, NBC was the last place network. They exploded overnight when they put on the Smurfs. Uh, CBS was the last place network in Saturday morning. When they put on Ninja Turtles, they exploded overnight and they went to first place. Similarly with Kids WB, with Pokemon, and then with Fox, with Power Rangers. One show can change the course of an entire network. Superhero Kindergarten has done that. Uh, it's increased not only the uh, viewership, the number of downloads of the app, pretty much every uh, number of minutes watched, all of the metrics that we look for uh, have been impacted by Superhero Kindergarten. It's our first original series for the channel. And we have a second one coming up shortly, which is a live show that's called <clears throat> KC Pop Quiz, which is a trivia show. We like to talk of it as uh, sort of uh, Jeopardy for kids, if you will. Uh, very fast paced. We have uh, Casey Simpson, who is a, uh, a stunning influencer in kids, former Nickelodeon star who's hosting the show. And we have very high hopes for that impacting the channel and continuing the momentum of growth until we get to uh, Shaq's Garage. And uh, we did an announcement as well today about Shaq's Garage. Yeah, you know, with that being said, let's move on to Shaq's Garage. You know, I heard about this show, uh, you know, a while ago, and I've been very excited about us. So production has begun on Shaq's Garage, set to air in the second quarter of 2022. And the announcement today that Rob Gronkowski will be the co-executive producer and also voicing the Gronk-mobile. I mean, that's a very exciting announcement to have out there today. Andy, tell us about, you know, how did uh, Rob Gronkowski factor into the mix? And, you know, what are some of the highlights investors should look forward to with Shaq's Garage coming next year? Well, uh, I'll come to Rob in a moment and I'll start uh, with uh, what to look for, for as an investor for Shaq's Garage. Um, Shaquille O'Neal has been associated with many, many brands. 
He is a very, very successful businessman himself. He's now a, uh, a shareholder in, in the company, and he's involved in every aspect of this production. Uh, what we're excited about with Shaq's Garage is this is competing in a very specialized area in the kids' business, the die-cast vehicle area. This, if you know, uh, follow, if you have three kids, I'm sure you know Hot Wheels very well. It's a billion-dollar-a-year business. And there's not a lot of competition in this space, ironically. So Shaq is a collector of cars. We've been talking about what kind of show we could do together for some time. And we came up with this idea of doing a all-vehicle show. There are no people in the show, even Shaq. He plays the voice of his car, of course, which is the lead car, but there are no people in the show. It was created for us by Joel Cohen, who was the creator and writer of uh, Toy Story. So uh, similarly with Toy Story, there were no people, and that was a massive success. Uh, also of note is that our the woman who now runs our consumer product business, Carrie Phelan, who joined us recently, uh, she did... Uh, uh, all of the consumer product licensing, not only of, uh, of Star Wars, which she did for Lucasfilm, uh, but she was also hired and reported directly to Steve Jobs, where she did everything of Pixar and Cars. It was a huge success. It was an $8 billion retail sale business. So we're very enthusiastic about the team on Shaq's Garage, about Carrie, who will be doing the consumer product licensing there. And Rob, having joined us, Rob and Shaq are great friends. They do a promotion called Shaq's Funhouse together every year at the Super Bowl. And uh, uh, Rob is probably, uh, I'd say after Tom Brady, the most uh, well-known uh, personality in, in, in the NFL. Uh, we think he's going to bring a lot of excitement to the show. He's got a great voice. The car is going to be a lot of fun. All of the cars are going to be a lot of fun. So we're, we're looking forward to the impact of that when uh, the show goes on the air and the product line comes out. Yeah, you know, exciting times, you know, to get Shaquille O'Neal and Rob Gronkowski, you know, on board for the show, uh, both from the behind the scenes and also as the voices of cars on that show. So, you know, looking forward to that. So Cartoon Channel, um, there was an announcement that you saw some big advertisers on it, lots of Fortune 500 companies. The list includes Lego, Kellogg's, Walmart, Nintendo, Adidas. Can you share with us a little bit about how you were able to land some of these big advertisers and maybe talk about what you're seeing in terms of, uh, you know, renewals or more ads from some of these big names? Well, uh, uh, Cartoon Channel is what's called an AVOD channel, Advertiser Video On Demand, as opposed to an SVOD, Subscription Video On Demand channel. Uh, we're fully ad supported. Uh, that's where we make our money from advertising. We have one tiny little tranche of activity, which is uh, with Amazon Prime, uh, that is a small subscription product that has no commercials on it. But essentially, we're an ad-supported product. Uh, pretty much everything at this point is programmatic sales, and the advertisers come where the views are. As the viewership increases, advertising will increase, and uh, we'll continue that way. Definitely. So Andy, one of the questions we're getting in the chat, and I know last time you were on Power Hour, you talked about briefly NFTs. So we've seen the NFT market absolutely explode. And Genius shared, you know, in a press release that they were ex exploring NFTs. Can you provide any update on what Genius Brands plans on doing in the NFT market? We're uh, being very cautious still. We're, we haven't uh, jumped in yet. We've had a number of proposals to us, a number of offers. We know that we've got very strong IP, 
Stan Lee alone, particularly with the new characters coming from there in Stan Lee's universe. And uh, particularly with the Stan Lee Centennial, we think there's lots of opportunity. But uh, it's a very uh, uh, delicate field and uh, we're, we're cautious and we're not going to jump into it willy-nilly. Uh, we're, we're, we're mindful of the importance of it, but we're also mindful of taking it slowly. Awesome. So Andy, we have some more questions from the chat here. Um, so the first one I see from Stock Rider 9 is asking, what is the timeline on Stan Lee's Werewolves or any other Stan Lee Universe shows coming out? Any update on some of the Stan Lee intellectual property moving forward? Uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on. We have, uh, we're, we're in dialogue on things with Marvel, as uh, people know, we'll announce them when they happen. We're in dialogue with uh, a major motion picture producer. Uh, we'll announce that uh, once it's precise as well. Um, we've developed with Michael Uslin, and we put a little bit of this out today. Uh, the Stanley Universe, it's coming forward with a, uh, a brand that we call True Believers. Uh, which was a signature of Stan. Uh, we have some extraordinary characters that Stan left behind that have been developed by Michael. Michael was the uh, executive producer of Batman. He is the executive producer of Batman. All of the Batman films, the Batman cartoons, everything, was a very close friend of, of Stan and uh, kind of a comic book guru as well. So this is a very important tentpole for us, and you'll hear a very uh, substantial amount of news coming forward on it in the not-too-distant future. Perfect. So Andy, you mentioned, you know, you had a new hire in the consumer products field. We've got the momentum of superhero kindergarten and also Shaq's garage highly anticipated next year. Can you give us an update on maybe some toys and some uh, licensed products for both of those shows? Where do we stand on getting those out to market this year and next year? Well, uh, I would say Superhero Kindergarten, we haven't announced our master toy partner yet, so we're not in a position we can talk about that. Same with Shaq's Garage. Uh, we have been approached by a number of different parties. Once something is finalized, we will. We did announce that we migrated our Rainbow Rangers brand from Mattel over to Ever Wrong Toys, which is one of the largest, maybe the largest toy company in China. They will be coming out with a number of uh, 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 figures and role-playing items uh, in uh, second quarter 2022. Uh, Rainbow Rangers, I don't know uh, if uh, you followed that or not, but the momentum has been candidly quite stunning there. It's become uh, sought after by every major streaming service and we've licensed it in recent days to, uh, to Netflix where it's performing very well, to Amazon Prime where it's performing very well, to HBO Max, to uh, Nick continues on Nick Latin America uh, to CCTV in China, the largest broadcaster in China. It's pretty much, you know, uh, going to be everywhere on every uh, system. We're keeping the new episodes, which will be season threes, exclusively for Cartoon Channel, and that's where they will remain uh, for the first year. Perfect. Aaron, I'm not sure. Are there any more questions out there in chat or any questions from you for Mr. Hayward today before we wrap? Uh, no, Chris. I, th I think we covered everything that I want to cover. I'll, I'll scour through the chat and see if we have any other final questions. Um, but again, for the viewers out there, please smash the like for this great exclusive interview with Andy Hayward, the CEO of Genius Brands. Uh, thank you, Chris, for coming on the show to conduct it. 
Andy, is there anything else that uh, you think investors should know before you leave us today? Well, I'll say two things. Uh, cartoons are timeless. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what's going on with interest rates, uh, price of gold, price of oil, stock market, Dow, whatever is going on in the global geopolitics. Kids continue to watch cartoons. And uh, we see that. I always like to cite Tom and Jerry was made in 1939 and is still a huge success and continues so today. The second thing is that the company is in a very, very strong financial footing. We have over $130 million in cash. We have no debt. We have no plans to take on debt. We are aggressively looking at acquisitions, and we have a number of things that uh, are on our agenda there, and we'll announce them when the, uh, when, as soon as we're able to. Andy, one more question for you, because I saw someone mention in the chat, um, I, I won't say the name, there's an internet rumor out there for maybe an additional celebrity to voice in Shaq's garage. Um, are there any plans for more celebrities to be attached to Shaq's garage and maybe voice some of the different cars on that show? Is that something uh, that we can look forward to? Yes, very much so. We're going to try and have as many of the cars possible voiced by celebrities. And uh, it's going to be kind of a cool thing that people will want to be a part of. Awesome. I know my kids cannot wait for that show as well. So Andy, thanks for joining us on Power Hour again, guys. Andy Hayward, CEO, Genius Brands, ticker G-N-U-S. Thanks so much, Andy, and have a great day. My privilege. Thank you. All right, y'all. That was Andy Hayward, the CEO of Genius Brands. Some very exciting things coming out of the company. Uh, Chris, I mean, you might know more about this one than I do, considering you have kids that are actively, uh, you know, partaking in in these cartoons, watching them. Um, but yeah, I mean, th this first responders one looks really interesting to me. They have the uh, co-writer of Frozen. Uh, he, Andy said that all major streaming platforms are trying to license this show to get it on there. So uh, the company not only has a track record of putting out shows that have success, um, but they have more in the pipeline, more to look forward to. So certainly a, a, a good value right here at $1.60. I'm watching this stock. I have it on my watch list. Uh, do you currently hold the stock, Chris? I do. So I am long GNUS. And part of it, you know, Aaron, is my kids, right? My my kids drive the 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 money, right, that we spend. And Cartoon Channel, actually, it's free, right? It's a free, uh, you know, advertiser-based video thing. But anytime my kids get this excited about a show, I want to at least do more research on it. And that's what led me to Genius Brands. Rainbow Rangers there on screen, the, the first responders. My, my kids didn't get into that one as much, but Superhero Kindergarten, they have absolutely loved. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a voice on the show. And Shaq's Garage, Aaron, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal and Rob Gronkowski together on a cartoon, that gets me excited, you know, as a fan of sports. So I'm looking forward to that show too. Yeah, and it seems like they, they kind of have the all the bases covered here. I mean, um, I, I don't know what the demographics look like for uh, Rainbow Rangers, but it seems like they have a, a very much a female cast in this one. Obviously, the Shaq's Garage with Gronkowski, that one might be aimed more at uh, boys. But, I, I mean, I, I love all the different things they are doing. They even have a Warren Buffett cartoon show. Uh, that looks really exciting to me. I'm sure you you as an investor as well, Chris. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the idea of figuring out what the kids are gravi gravitated toward and then investing in that. Like we were talking about video game stocks earlier. And if you told me that, oh, all your kids are on Roblox, but they're not on, you know, many 
take two games or Activision games, that would that would make Roblox more enticing to me because even if I don't know that much about Roblox or the platform, but all the kids are using it, then that's a good sign to me as an investor. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Aaron, as I said, so my kids are nine, seven and three. And sometimes it is very difficult to find a show or a movie that they all agree on. And I will say that Superhero Kindergarten is one of those shows that all three will ask for me to put on the TV. So I think that's a good sign when they're hitting all those age demographics. So excellent point from you, you know, that paying attention to something like that could be, you know, worth looking on the investment side of things as well. Right. Um, All right, y'all. Well, if you were here for the Genius Brands interview, do not go anywhere because we have another exciting CEO interview coming up uh, with MoneyGram CEO Alex Holmes. The company did just report earnings. We will go through uh, the the earnings and some other things about the company. Chris, I don't know if you can hang out for this interview as well, but we'd love to have you. Yeah, sure. I will hang out. I'm more than happy to help out today. All right. Awesome. Well, without further ado... Uh, Let's get over to Mr. Holmes. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Alex, welcome to the Benzinga Power Hour. Thank you for taking time out of your busy Monday to join us. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. Of course. Of course. So before we get into earnings and some details about the company, can you just give a brief overview of MoneyGram to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know, MoneyGram is is definitely probably a little bit different than than most people think about. Uh, you know, we are a, a global leader in, in cross border money transfers, and, and basically that means we operate uh, in just about every country in the world and enable uh, the funds flows uh, between point A and point B uh, for effectively first, second, and third generation migrants, but also a lot of uh, mainstream consumers. Uh, as well. Uh, Traditionally, this business has really been about the ability for uh, individuals to get money back home to to loved ones and and friends and family. Um, But as uh, technology has evolved and as things have changed over the past, yeah, really over the past decade, but certainly over the last, uh, you know, two to five years in particular, as digital uh, has really skyrocketed, uh, you know, the model has changed quite a bit and about 33% of all of our business today uh, is driven uh, digitally uh, through our 4.8 star rated app online. And we're actually doing uh, a lot more uh, with domestic transfers and putting in products that are, uh, I would say, continuing to uh, enhance uh, our uh, likability and serviceability to more mainstream Americans, for example, in terms of the ability to download the app and send money directly onto to someone's debit card. So, you know, we have a lot of uh, interesting things going on in the pipeline, but certainly you know, our specialty continues to be uh, cross-border payments, and uh, we continue to focus more and more on improving uh, our, uh, what I would say, customer experience generally, and and really focusing on um, the evolution of uh, younger generations as they continue to come more and more into the brand. Got it. And we did have uh, earnings come out for MoneyGram, what was it, last week, two weeks ago? Yeah, a few weeks now, yeah, yeah, at the end of uh, of July. Okay, and something that that stuck out to me with with the earnings and the guidance was that um, digital transactions. You t- you mentioned it there, but are up, we're up forty four percent year over year in quarter two. Um, h- how do you see that growth playing out through the rest of the year and, and into twenty twenty two? 
Yeah, you know, on top of that, we've had we had a fifty four percent increase in uh, online active customers over that same time period. So, you know, the growth of digital has been um, absolutely phenomenal uh, over the past really two years. Uh, back in twenty eighteen, we 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 relaunched our app and really came out strong with a very new uh, direction uh, and view of the brand. Uh, really put forward, I think, one of the most uh, innovative and progressive ideas at the time, which was really to change the way in which uh, this industry, this business really interacted with consumers. Uh, prior to, I think those changes, a lot of what consumers saw was really, you know, a brand, but a transaction-based organization. And, and a lot of the effort that we've put in the last several years has really been about, uh, you know, how do you touch customers differently and, and how do you really make yourself more relevant? You know, today in the online world, about 60% of all of our customers are under the age of 40. Uh, and that's a really nice, healthy mix of, of a lot of new Gen Zs and, and uh, you know, millennials mixed in there as well. And so I think the idea is that the product has become much more relevant to uh, the up and coming and younger generations, particularly as, you know, again, digital and, and uh, mobile really are you know front and center in everyday life, and so you know our digital growth um, had been you know for several months, I think eleven or twelve consecutive months of triple digit growth, and now we're finally getting into some uh, normalization where we're comping some of those incredible growth rates we saw, uh, particularly during the, the the height of the pandemic uh, this time last year, and so you know we've um, been pushing the envelope there, and and you know have sustained. Uh, very high double-digit growth. We continue to believe that um, our online business will continue to put up uh, double-digit growth, probably in the 20, 30% range, uh, depending on the month uh, and the time of year. Uh, but we're super excited about it, uh, particularly um, as, you know, the way that consumers think about sending money, the way that they think about interacting with each other definitely continues to be more and more and more about um, that online experience and, and, and how they can interact with each other more dynamically. And that's exactly what our services are beginning to bring, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. You know, great insight on digital revenue um, going forward. One of the questions I have here is about crypto, right? Anytime we talk to companies in the financial industry, it's always important to hear, you know, their thoughts on the cryptocurrency market. Can you share a little bit how MoneyGram uh, is involved in cryptocurrency and maybe a long-term outlook for the company in that segment? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think crypto is is um, certainly, um, you know, as you said, one of the most relevant topics when you you know think anything financial uh, in today's day and age. Um, you know, we had a wonderful relationship with Ripple uh, for a couple of years where we really did some uh, unique things in the industry in terms of uh, looking at how money can move, uh, you know, differently uh, through their uh, through their blockchain and and you know utilizing XRP uh, in particular. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that that uh, that service came to an end with kind of, you know, all the changes going on with the SEC and the investigations and regulations that are potentially coming forward there. But, you know, crypto continues to be, um, you know, a worldwide phenomenon and continues to be something that I think is going to be relevant for uh, a very, very long time. Uh, you know, we recently signed an agreement with a, a company called CoinMe, uh, which has been uh, pretty revolutionary, I think, and really trying to bring crypto more mainstream uh, to Americans. And they signed some unique deals uh, a couple of years ago, really allowing um, you know someone to walk into uh, a Coinstar machine, put in cash, 
and get a tokenized receipt to go, you know, load their their Coinme wallet and actually buy Bitcoin, which is, you know, a, a difficult thing to do. And I think that's one of the most fascinating things today about, um, you know, crypto is that, you know, despite its mainstream popularity, it still is, you know, very difficult for mainstream consumers anywhere in the world to participate in it. Um, and I also think that, um, you know, there's opportunity to continue to expand that. So what we're doing with CoinMe is enabling consumers to do cash in and cash out uh, of their CoinMe wallet, which effectively allows them to get fiat currency into the network uh, so they can actually buy and sell the, their Bitcoin through CoinMe. So uh, we signed a similar agreement with Gcoin, which is tokenized gold, which is, I think, extremely interesting. And similarly, trying to take an asset that historically is, you know, uh, kind of rarefied air. It's hard for people to participate in that. But tokenizing gold is extremely interesting um, and really very similar to what's happening in the crypto space. So, you know, I think crypto is um, super interesting. Uh, I think it's a little bit early days, uh, you know, around its you know practical application for, you know, really transacting and, and buying and selling. One of the questions that we're often asked is, you know, do I believe it's going to displace, you know, money transfers? And I think you know, there's a potential for it to uh, to benefit money transfers. I think there's a potential for it to um, enhance a lot of what we do. Yet at the same time, you know, it really becomes that interoperability into fiat currency becomes that question of what do I do with it with the crypto and and you know what are my access points around that and you know at this point in time, we haven't seen a lot of really uh, utilization or or request for you know crypto in you know kind of mainstream consumers right and you know our target demographic again historically being uh, you know first second and third generation migrants you know their focus has traditionally been on making sure that money gets home um, extremely quickly and that those you know, loved ones that pick it up on the other end are able to utilize that, you know, fiat currency uh, as quickly as possible. But, you know, that being said, I think there are a lot of applications for blockchain still to come. I think there's a lot of excitement and, you know, potentially, um, you know, stabilizing things through stable coins and, and other, you know, interesting ideations out there around, you know, how do we continue to improve the financial, you know, flow? How do we continue to improve uh, consumers' access to currencies? Um, but uh, yeah, no, we're, we have a lot going on in the background. Um, I find crypto uh, to be, uh, you know, definitely an opportunity area for uh, for MoneyGram and, and something that we're going to continue to pursue. Perfect. And so you said that CoinMe partnership, then that's open to all MoneyGram customers, just as a additional service. Yeah, and I think you're going to continue to see that evolve uh, in the coming uh, months as well. CoinMe just launched an app, which is really pretty unique, um, and uh, you know, we're really kind of just laying the foundation and, and groundwork around um, all of the, uh, the practical uh, applications from a MoneyGram and, and CoinMe partnership. So um, really exciting to see. And, and definitely, um, you know, I think one of the first two companies really partnering up to try to bring, again, you know, crypto more mainstream uh, to consumers. Because again, that interoperability in and out of fiat, you know, if you have a, if an online um, account today for, for uh, any type of crypto, uh, you understand sort of the complexities around, um, you know, the inner, in and outs of it. You know, it's easy to buy. It's harder to sell. It's harder to get your cash back. And so that's something that we're definitely trying to uh, enhance and improve with the partnership. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we are a stock idea show here. So I know you can't comment on merger and acquisition, you know, activity. But one of the yeah. things we've heard with MoneyGram is oh. that it has been a target 
um, of a potential acquisition. Why do you think MoneyGram could look appealing to a larger company as an acquisition target? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a wonderful question. And uh, I think the way you phrase it is exactly right. You know, why, why would MoneyGram be, be attractive to another organization? And I think it's it's a, it's a number of things. But first and foremost, we have a globally recognized brand name uh, that, you know, enables interoperability of, of funds flow uh, in over 200 countries and territories, uh, 90 plus percent of which are, or excuse me, 90 plus of those countries, which are um, digitally enabled today. So, you know, when you begin to think about uh, the future uh, of society, you start to think about, you know, the world becoming increasingly flatter, uh, people moving around and, and the continued uh, need for funds flows. Um, we have the rails uh, already built. We have the settlement engine in place uh, and we have a lot of the uh, front end applications that are required and back end capabilities, uh, you know, to enable uh, seamless cross border uh, payments and funds flows. Uh, the opportunity around that is is pretty extraordinary, and you know the the ability to um, send large dollar amounts, send small dollar amounts, the ability to um, interoperate with businesses to consumers and consumer to businesses, and not just consumer to consumer, uh, is a huge opportunity that's out there, and something that we are uh, beginning to participate in. Um, you know, uh, over the past couple of months, and we have a lot of interesting partnerships coming uh, in the future, and so I think. You know, anything you read about in today's day and age, whether it's crypto, whether it's fintech, whether it's payments, it's really about how do we get more consumers directly into into our brand? How do we actually uh, make uh, funds flows uh, more seamless and simplified? And there are so many large scale organizations out there today uh, that would actually uh, be completely advantaged by either a partnership with us or to your point, um, you know, ownership of the company. So to me, I think we have this incredibly valuable asset um, that's really been hidden behind um, a lot of turmoil and, and, uh, and challenges that the company faced really coming out of the financial crisis. And I'm really proud to say that, you know, over the past several years, we've addressed all those legacy issues and we're actually in a very strong position today uh, to really continue to invest in products and customer acquisition strategies and really begin to invest in growth of the company on a go forward basis. And so I think when you put all those pieces together, uh, you know, I think it makes for a very interesting um, opportunity for someone that's interested. Definitely. I also saw a question here from the chat from Conroy asking about a spinoff of the old business from the new digital business. Is that something that's been considered by MoneyGram here? You know, it, it's an interesting question uh, and one that, uh, you know, we do get from time to time. Uh, you know, when you have uh, an incredibly valuable asset like MoneyGram.com and the, the strength and the growth that we've seen coming out of that business, um, I think it's a logical question to ask yourself. Uh, you know, does it make sense, uh, you know, to spin that off? Does it make sense to try to monetize, um, you know, those, those, those assets? And I think the question um, is a good one. Uh, and, and it's certainly something that we continue to to look at as we think about the future of the organization and the growth potential of the company. Um, I think one of the questions that really underlays that is really the interoperability between our two business models today. Uh, I think consumers out there uh, look at our online digital platform and value sort of the, the seamless integration on the front end, but also a lot of the back end payments are paid out through our cash network all around uh, the world. Similarly, consumers going into um, cash locations for sends, oftentimes now we're sending money into wallets and bank accounts. And so there's a lot of interoperability between the businesses today 
Um, and I think the question becomes, you know, how do you ensure that that, you know, remains in the future? Because they both create value on top of each other. And so those are some of the, uh, the pieces that need to be looked at as you consider um, any of those, those types of options. But certainly, you know, my job is to try to, um, you know, continue to improve the business, drive growth and really create value for shareholders. And that's definitely, um, you know, true to our vision and, and, and something that we're extremely focused on. Awesome. Well, thanks for that insight there, Alex. You know, do you think that's part of the reason why shares are valued the way they are is because of maybe the the digital growth being kind of tied into that legacy business and not being such a peer play digital finance company? Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's an interesting question. You know, I think any any legacy you know organization today, you know, whether it's in the auto industry or any others that you know has. Uh, transformed itself and has begun to to push you know the the agenda forward. Uh, you know it has um, challenges associated with valuations being given to you know those that are perceived to be the future um, and those that are perceived to be you know quite different. And so part of our opportunity is really to you know shed the shackles of of the past and really begin to uh, you know focus uh, shareholders, investors, and and outsiders on really what this company is about today, who we are and how you interact with us. And I think most people, when challenged with that question, that go download the app and actually begin to interact with MoneyGram for the first time, um, actually find a very different organization than they've they've ever seen before. And so, you know, I think there's always that challenge of, you know, how do you shed sort of some of that legacy baggage? How do you get people to see a different company and, and change the perception uh, of your organization. And I would say, you know, the reaction that we've seen in the stock over the past year, I think is reflective of that. And I think that, you know, that's just the beginning and that we've got a long way to go uh, in terms of, uh, you know, unlocking value. And, and I think, you know, getting that proper return for shareholders that we deserve. Got it. And then Alex, I do see a question in the chat about transfer fees. Uh, does the company have any plans to do anything to try to lower those transfer fees? <laughs> Um, or, you know, how do you see that as, as MoneyGram's transfer fees? How do they stack up against peers? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic question, and I'm glad you asked it. We've actually been um, extremely focused on, on fees um, over the past, you know, really a couple, three years. And I do believe in today's day and age, uh, you know, and on top of user experience, really price and value are a top of mind for, for all of our customers and for any customer in any industry, for that matter. Uh, you know, the World Bank put out a... a you know, who's kind of the, the leading expert, I, I suppose, in, in terms of, or at least the leading representative expert in terms of, you know, cross-border payments. And, you know, they put out a, a 3% initiative a long time ago. Uh, you know, our average fee to send globally, which is kind of a blended mix of cash and digital, is less than 3%. Uh, and that's for someone to send $400, which is, you know, basically the average face amount sent um, in our, uh, at least for our, our, our target customers in, in today's day and age. So, you know, we're proud that we've achieved that level. And, and you know, there's a lot of, um, I would say, uh, startup uh, noise and, and fintech noise out there about, you know, high fees and high costs. And it's something that we're extremely sensitive to. And we've taken um, a lot of that cost out. When you go into the digital world, it's even less um, in some cases, uh, you know, and, you know, for example, sending from uh, you know, uh, digital to digital sending from account to account, you know, it starts at zero, zero dollars on the fee side and has, you know, a very small marginal FX associated with it. So I think if you put us up against any brand out there, we're, we've got probably the most competitive 
uh, fees and total cost uh, to any consumer uh, that, that's you know in the industry. And, and I'm very proud of that and something that we're going to continue to push the agenda on. So um, I think, uh, you know, it's funny when you look at uh, even domestic payment platforms like, you know, even Venmo's that were free for so long are now beginning to charge, you know, even up to one and a half percent. So, you know, that is uh, definitely an area of focus for us and something that, you know, we believe is uh, an area we can be uh, extremely competitive. Got it. And then so, um, you know, I'm trying to see if we have any more questions coming out of the chat, but we appreciate you coming on the show today. Is there anything you would like to leave investors or potential investors with before leaving today? Yeah, I would just simply say, you know, I do think that uh, it is a very new moneygram uh, that we're operating, you know, today. And, and I, absolutely everything that we've done from customer experience and digital, you know, the, the app itself and, and the capabilities and products that we have um, are really second to none today. And I, I would ask everyone to get out there, you know, download the app and, you know, begin to send money to, to friends. And we have um, an actually interesting service, which people don't really know much about, which is uh, repeat sending, which is the ability to actually, um, you know, schedule an amount of money and then actually schedule it on a weekly or monthly basis for repeat sending. So it's great for, you know, uh, making payments to, you know, uh, lawn guys, nannies, et cetera, whatever you may have to do. So, um, you know, it's a very different than I think a lot of people think about. And that perception, um, you know, continues to get changed. And I think the value continues to get created. So, you know, no matter what happens in the world, uh, people, consumers, um, individuals continue to send money. Uh, you know, it's a 700 plus billion dollar industry continues to grow. We had an increase in 41% in face value sent in the last quarter. So money is moving and, you know, it's a great in investment for anybody because MoneyGram plays a, a huge role in that and will continue to do so on a go forward basis. So um, I really appreciate the time. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about the company and uh, thank you guys for having me on. Of course. Thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah. And maybe I'll, I'll have to explore that. See, maybe it might be easier than sending a, a check to my landlord every month to just get a scheduled payment on MoneyGram. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. And again, viewers out there, Alex Holmes, chairman and CEO of MoneyGram, that ticker MGI. Alex, thanks so much for joining us on Power Hour today. We look forward to following your company's progress going forward. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Have a good rest of your Monday. All right, you too. All right, y'all. That was Alex Holmes, chairman and CEO of MoneyGram. As Chris mentioned, ticker MGI. We have had two big interviews today on the Power Hour, uh, Genius Brands and now MGI. So smash the like for a packed show on Power Hour. Chris, we do only have a few minutes left. Um, should we check back in on some of the stocks we mentioned at the top of the show? Yeah, definitely. You know, I know you mentioned Roblox. I was trying to look at the earnings calendar and Roblox is the big one I'm watching today. Um, we also have CleanSpark reporting uh, after hours today, CLSK. I know that's one that you and Luke have talked about recently. Um, I think this could be a good report, right? CleanSpark getting into the Bitcoin mining business and they could have a strong quarter uh, you know, to report with the rising price of Bitcoin lately. What do you think here? Yeah, I mean, that's, in, that's an interesting point you bring up. I think you know, just looking at this chart, it looks like we have been in kind of a downtrend for a while. We saw the stock get all the way up to 40 bucks early January when we saw a lot of other Bitcoin uh, sympathy plays just ripping. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind that play at all. If you have, you know, maybe I'll just take, a couple hundred bucks that I have in my kind of YOLO trade account and, and look at some calls for clean spark or something like that. But, you know, Chris, it's always risky getting into trades into earnings. 
Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily advise it unless you are looking at it as more of just a, a YOLO trade that, um, you know, you wouldn't mind losing a little bit on, but yeah, I mean, this company I think has great long-term potential. Uh, the Bitcoin aspect of it is just to me like a little added bonus. I do like the company's core, uh, you know, mission of bringing micro microgrid technology, uh, to, to the energy space. I mean, I think that's something that's long overdue that, Right now, the way it's set up, Chris, is that one energy grid will power like a whole city. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense to have, um, say, a, a military base on the same energy grid as your neighborhood. And that would allow, you know, foreign adversaries or domestic hackers, whoever it may be, if they were able to get access to it, to shut down the energy for not only a residential part um, but as I mentioned, you know, where a military base may be located. So I think for, for safety reasons, we will in some time in the future be moving more toward these microgrids. And if CleanSpark is able to emerge as a leader in that industry, I think the company has great growth potential. Yeah, definitely. I, I love what you said, right? It's almost like the cherry on the top right now, an additional business for them. And, and for me, you know, maybe just sitting out on the sidelines, so not playing it into earnings, but listening to the earnings report later today, the earnings call, and then maybe making a trade on this a couple of weeks down the road, depending on, you know, what you hear today. I really want to hear their guidance. You know, as you said, that microgrid business, how is it progressing? And then also, you know, how is the Bitcoin segment going? So that could be important for investors to kind of get an overall outlook on that growth ahead, you know, past the earnings report today. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, a, a very much safer way to play it, Chris, is to just wait for the earnings today, see what the company says. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is an early stage company. So I, you know, I, I think I wouldn't be expecting too much in terms of revenue. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned, I like the stock's growth potential long term. And while we are on the topic of Bitcoin, I do have a crypto update brought to you by Voyager Digital. Let me get my crypto heat map up on the screen real quick. As we can see, another great day for crypto. Most major coins are in the green. Bitcoin is up a little bit more than 1%. And look at Doge, Chris. Doge is up more than 10% today, trading at around 33 cents a share. Uh, Doge has just been on a tear, up more than 60% throughout the last month. Uh, Cardano, ticker ADA, is also doing well. Um, and yeah, we have the Voyager link. In the description, if you if you deposit $100 and use the, the code ZING, you will get $50 in free Bitcoin. So I encourage all of our viewers to head over to Voyager, create an account, deposit $100, get $50 free in Bitcoin. As I mentioned, the link is in the description. Uh, Chris, anything in the crypto world you are watching? You know, I'm always watching NFTs, you know, so we're seeing Ethereum trade up, you know, as the the play there. And Doge, Doge has been ripping all weekend. The big thing there I've seen is Mark Cuban, you know, sharing his thoughts on Twitter on how, you know, Dogecoin is moving beyond a meme coin, right? The Dallas Mavericks accept it as payment. And Cuban's been very open about talking about the benefits of Dogecoin being, you know, a crypto that you can use to buy and sell goods. Um, you know, like with the Mavericks. And, you know, I think that was part of the momentum with Dogecoin over the weekend. But a lot of green on that chart there on that heat map. So uh, a great day for crypto out there. Yep. And I know we will be touching on some crypto on Get Technical, which is, of course, our next show coming up right now with Neil Hamilton. So if you like technicals, if you like trading using charts, stick around for Get Technical. We will be going through 
uh, options as well as checking in on some cryptos. Anything else you want to add, Chris? Thanks for having me on Power Hour. Two great interviews today. Uh, Thank you again. And yeah, without further ado, get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.